So um, it's good to be back. Chris and I went to uh, San Diego this last week for a, a marriage retreat, and it was it was good. Uh, it was put on by the uh, Act 64 Network, of which I'm a, a regional leader. And uh, we, we appreciate Tom. Thank you, Tom, for uh, filling in, and I understand it was a great sermon, and I think people were hoping that maybe... Maybe he'd be back this week too, but uh, you're just gonna have to you just have to make do with me. But uh, you know, we had some some uh, some good downtime. We went to the beach, and it was just nice to get away to be together. Uh, our last day there, we went to um, a park, Balboa Park. If you've ever been to San Diego, it's this amazing thing. It's uh, 1,400 acres, and it was uh, set aside when San Diego was very young in the 1800s, 1868, by the uh, civic leaders. And we learned we learned a lot about the history of this uh, this park, this amazing park. And uh, you know, one thing that caught my attention was that they uh, this this park hosted two world fairs. One of them was in uh, 1915 through 1916, and it coincided with the uh, opening of the Panama Canal. And so the uh, the rationale was, well, we'll have ships coming down through uh, through Panama, and the first port of call. Uh, on, on the west coast would be uh, San Diego because, it, I mean, it's right down there, right by Mexico. And uh, the, the fair was named the Panama-California Exposition. And um, what got me was that in preparation for the exposition, they built these amazing-looking buildings. And the thing is, they were, they were built very cheaply. They were built with the thought in mind that we'll tear these down in a couple of years. You know, it was just, you know, kind of, kind of reminded me of, the, of um, you know, the thought of facades in Hollywood movies, westerns, you know, where there's there's a, a storefront, but there's really not much behind it. And we, we saw a video of this guy going down into the basement of one of these buildings still there and showing that it's just sitting on dirt. You know, it's just cheaply built not with uh, permanence in mind. These were uh, throwaway buildings built knowing that they would be torn down and uh, no thought for the future. And, uh, you know, since I was thinking of of the topic of of this sermon today, I think that was a good metaphor for uh, the institution of of marriage within our culture, our current culture, where many marriages seem to be built not to withstand the uh, years that would go by and the challenges and everything, but throw away marriages. You know, if I, I'll get married if I don't, if this doesn't work out, if I don't like my wife, she doesn't like me, you know, we'll just, we'll tear it down and start over again. And, uh, you know, the thing is that, just as it takes a lot of work, a lot of uh, resources and preparation and, and care and concern to build a good, permanent, solid building that's going to stand for years and years and years, you know, it's the same with marriage. It takes a lot of work to, to build a solid marriage, but it's, it's worth it, definitely worth it. A marriage needs to be built on a solid foundation, and that's, that's our, our Lord. Uh, by God's design, a marriage should be built to last, built to last. It's, it's a valuable thing in his eyes. And uh, 
you know, in this area, especially, we need to, we need to look at all of scripture. We need to look at what God has to say. It's real easy sometimes for people to zero in on maybe one verse or one passage and exclude everything else. Uh, you know, that's, uh, Something Paul talked about in Ephesians when he was when he was leaving Ephesus in Acts 20, he was talking to the Ephesian elders, and he said, uh, I, "I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring you the full counsel of God." And uh, in, in Galatians 1:10, Paul says, "I, you know, I am not, you know, for I for am I now." Seeking the approval of man or of God? That's a question. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of, of Jesus Christ. So all, you know, all of this to say that we need to have integrity when we approach God's scripture and, and do our best to uh, present the, the whole counsel of God. And, uh, you know, there, there are many things that, that will make people feel comfortable. I was on a, uh, a prayer call with, with some other pastors this morning and, uh, just mentioned, you know, well, last last time I preached, I I, uh, I preached on hell, and now we're we're preaching on divorce this this Sunday, and one one of the guys just goes, whoa, <laughs> and he said, you know, that's th- he said, thank you, thank you for doing that. Anyway, uh, this the, the today's text covers one of these topics: is marriage and and divorce and, and remarriage, and you know, I I just really would like to do my best to present the word of God with, with integrity, with uh, sensitivity, with, with humility, uh, you know, knowing that this is something that has touched a lot of us, a lot of us, a lot of families have been torn apart by divorce. We all know somebody or, you know, it's, it's, it's a very relevant topic and it needs to be discussed with integrity, you know. Last year we uh, we went through the Sermon on the Mount. You may recall we we talked about this before. It was uh, in uh, Matthew five, where we encountered Jesus's teaching on marriage and divorce. And uh, you know this this sermon we'll, we'll we'll consider it part two of that. I don't want to just repeat the you know re restate everything I stayed or, or said in that sermon, but I do want to hit just quickly highlight the main points of that sermon. First was that uh, marriage is important to God. You know, God values marriage highly. It's, uh, it's holy to him. And in marriage, God is giving us a, a, a picture of his own relationship with his people. And we see that in the Old Testament with God and the Israelites. We see that in the New Testament with Christ and the church. You know, second was that we need to be peacemakers in our marriages. You know, God's peace must rule in our hearts and in our relationship. And being a peacemaker is, you know, it requires us to be active. It's not a, a passive thing. You know, it's, it's something that, that takes work. It takes effort to be a peacemaker, fighting for peace. It requires us to put other people's, you know, in this case, our, our spouse's needs above our own, and uh, as, you know, as far as it is up to us, we need to live at peace in our marriages. 
you know, Paul says with, with all others, but, you know, specifically in this case with, uh, you know, especially with our, our husband or our wife. And uh, you know, reconciliation and, and restoration is, should always be the goal when there are problems in a marriage. And then finally was, uh, you know, God was merciful. God is merciful. He, he knows. You know, Jesus said that divorce happens because of uh, hard-heartedness. And, uh, you know, sadly, uh, the, the marriage vows are broken when one of the spouse out of a hard, one of the spouses out of a hard heart um, breaks that, that covenant of marriage. And, you know, sometimes reconciliation just doesn't work. It's not an option. And that, that, that marriage is broken and it grieves God. It grieves us. Um, never, never a good thing, especially... Uh, grieves the person who's been wronged in that marriage. But uh, thankfully, God is a merciful God. He knows our pain. He knows. He knows everything about us. And, uh, you know, there are biblically allowed grounds for divorce, specifically uh, adultery by an unfaithful spouse or or desertion by an unbelieving spouse. You know, Paul talks about that in Second Corinthians. And um, in these cases, divorce is allowed, but it's not required. In fact, it's not desirable. You know, rec- reconciliation is always the best option. We need to be peacemakers. We need to have tender hearts. Anyway, uh, I... You know, I invite you to go back to that sermon. It was on uh, August 7th, and the, the title of that sermon was Divorce and Remarriage. So this is part two here. This morning I'd like to look at this issue as a matter of the heart. When we went through the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, we, we kept bringing this up again, that, that God cares about uh, what's what's inside he cares about our our motives he cares about our our hearts so today's passage is is parallel to the one we covered in Matthew i don't mind hitting this again because like i said it it affects so many of us it affects so many people um um yeah mark 10 starting with verse 1 read in your bibles with me we're going to read Mark 10, 1 through 12. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as it was his custom, he taught them. And the Pharisees came up in order to test him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another 
commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Let's, uh, let's pray. Um, Father, as we open up your, your word, uh, I, I just pray, Lord, that um, we would have humble hearts. Lord, that we would uh, learn from you. Thank you, Lord, for your your goodness and, and your mercy on us. And uh, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, last last year we were teaching on the uh, the the Sermon on the Mount. You know, uh, uh, the theme of it was the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's about it's about kingdom living. It's uh, you know the the section on marriage. Uh, is concerned with Christ and the law. You know, Jesus is making the point that God's law does matter. He came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And uh, he he says at one point that uh, unless our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, we won't enter the kingdom of heaven. We, We need the king. We need King Jesus. We need his righteousness. And, uh, you know, if instead of trying to please God, if we're legalistic, we, you know, we, we find out that we're, we're trying to, we're trying to see how far we can get without breaking the law. You know, like there's, there's some boundary and, and, you know, our, our tendency tends to be, let's see how, how close we can get to that line. And Jesus is saying, no, I care about what's in your heart. You know, it, it means much more what pleases God than what is allowed. Uh, you know, the, the, way, the way the Pharisees approach this and the way we often do just really shows how, how depraved our, our hearts really are. You know, we can take a verse like this and you know, try to figure out, well, how can we how can we use this for our, for our own advantage? You know, how, how far can I take this still remain within the bounds of the law? You know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount established that we're, you know, we're all murderers because of our hearts. We're all adulterers because of our hearts. So, you know, about this line of reasoning that the, the Pharisees have here. Here's an example. Say you're a wife. You see your husband's eyes wandering. Ah, oh, he's looking at another woman. Ah, oh, he's an adulterer. He's committed adultery in his, in his heart. Therefore, I can, I can divorce him, right? You see the the depraved reasoning there, but uh, you know many times we try to rationalize things like that. That's what the Pharisees are doing. They're not seeing how to please God, rather they're seeing how far they're allowed to go. So how far can they go? You know what Jesus is describing is is a is a hard teaching. Um, you know, he's saying that, uh, 
the Sermon on the Mount, you know, if, if a man looks at a woman with, with lust, he's committed adultery. Uh, you know, he's saying you're, you're an adulterer. You have, you have uh, rejected the, the sanctity of your marriage. Uh, in, in 1 Peter 3, 7, you know, we get a glimpse of God's heart for how we should view marriage, how husbands should view their wives. He says, live with your wives in an understanding way, <clears throat> showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. And remember, uh, you know, with the examples of, with the example of, of David, you know, adultery is not just a, a sin against another person, it's a sin against God. You know, David himself admitted that. He says, I've, I've sinned against God. Joseph, remember the, uh, the story of, of Potiphar's wife, you know, this, this woman tried to seduce him and he said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going, he refused to sin against God. You know, Peter says, honor your wife so that your prayers may not be hindered. Our relationship with God hinges on, on our relationship with our spouse. That's a, that's a serious thing we need to take care, or we need to uh, consider. There was, there was this young couple in our church in Arkansas I was giving them a premarital counseling, and I um, counseled the the guy individually, and uh, I was happy to to do this. But he told me that he was having problems with uh, pornography, and uh, yeah, I, I, I talked with him. We talked this through a little bit, you know, and uh, I, I turned with him to that verse in, in First Peter and asked him, you know, when. When you look at pornography, how is that honoring your wife? And it's just like the light bulb went on. He goes, you're right. You're right. I need to, how, how, you know, how, how can we show our wife's honor in, in this area? Well, the parallel passage in, in Matthew 5, 31 through 32, Jesus says, you know, it was said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. He's quoting Moses there, but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. In Matthew uh, 19.3, you know, we have the Pharisees coming up to test him. Parallel verse parallel passage here it's is it lawful they asked him to divorce one's wife for any cause he answered have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so they're no longer two but one flesh what therefore god has joined together let not man separate they said to him, why, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate divorce and send her away? And he said, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So, 
Yeah, this was this was a topic of debate among the uh, the, the Pharisees and the uh, the people who were were studying the law. You know, the the question was, can I divorce my wife for any reason? You know, in other words, what what can I get away f- what can I get away with? You know, how far can I take this with, without breaking the law? You know, and it just keeps coming back to something very simple. It it it's a matter of our heart title of this sermon, A Matter of the Heart. You know, why are they asking this in the first place? You know, Mark gives us some insight here. So does Matthew. He, it says, you know, they, they, they came to him with a question, not because they wanted to know how, how to have a good marriage. They did not come to him and ask him, how can we please God in our marriages? It says they came to him with this question to, uh, to test him. You know, we know from earlier that they wanted to destroy him. They wanted to discredit him. They wanted to kill him. You know, their their hearts are hard. The Pharisees' hearts are hard as they come and bring this question to him. You know, their their wills are rigid, unbending. You know, not not only are their hearts hardened against Jesus. But uh, I, th- I think we get a clue as to what their attitude was about their own marriages, about their own wives and, and children. You know, is it okay with, with God if we divorce our wives? You know, look, look at how Jesus handled it, handles it. You know, what did Moses say? What did Moses say? They said Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus said, it's because of the hardness of your hearts that Moses allowed this. And uh, in the the ancient Near East, um, you know, the common law was um, men were allowed to divorce their wives, and uh, there was no protection for the wives. The the men could just cast their wives off, their kids, whatever, and uh, they, but they didn't relinquish their their rights to the property, to the wife, to the children. They could come back anytime they wished. And, uh, you know, Moses, Moses gave this law to protect the women. Uh, there, there's an author, uh, David Instone Brewer. He says, imagine that you're a wife in the time of Moses or before. Your husband goes off with some friends to a market in another town and his friends returned with him. They report that he's fallen for a pretty young woman, and later they bring you a message from him. He's not coming back. You can you can keep the children, stay in the house he built, and good luck. You know, it's not very comforting. It's only the beginning of your nightmare. If you don't find work, your family will soon starve and, and freeze. But under the law of the land, the husband later on, once the boys have grown up and they've, you know, they're good workers, he can come back and say, I want those boys. I want the house back. You know, he's, he's you know, essentially holding his, his wife hostage here. The law protected the woman from, from being held hostage by, by an abusive husband deserting husband what's well, a matter of the heart it's a matter of the heart you know this is what what is god's heart for marriage you know first of all divorce was was never in in god's plan 
You know, Jesus makes this clear here. He says, therefore, well, he said in the beginning, God created marriage as a union between one man and one woman. Genesis 2.24, after God created the first woman, he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, one flesh. One flesh, that, that says the husband and wife need to be one. They need to have unity, you know, physical unity, physical oneness, but also spiritual. And this, this oneness should, should not be broken. You know, it says a man is to uh, cling to his wife, to stick to her. You know, they're, they're to be joined so, so close together and that they're, they're inseparable. Uh, in, in Job 38, the word that's used there for, for cling, it's used to describe uh, dirt clods being stuck together. You know, they're just, just like one substance. And Jesus says, let, let no man separate what, what God has, has joined together. These two clods. Okay. When, when we lived in Dallas, uh, we... The pastor of a church that, that we we knew of, we knew, we knew the pastor and, and the church. Uh, they, they went on a, a mission trip to Germany. The church did, and this pastor met this pretty young German woman. I don't know the whole story, but when he returned home, he he kept pursuing this relationship that he'd started there. He divorced his wife. He destroyed his family. He abandoned his ministry and uh, really decimated the, the church. Terrible scandal. It's pretty clear this was not God's design here. This is not God's will. Uh, we can get a good view of how God views divorce in Malachi, Malachi two thirteen through 16. Let me read this. He's talking to people. He says, this second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears and weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you've been faithless. And though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one? with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was God, what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit. Let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the woman who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his, his garment with violence says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit. Do not be faithless. You know, this is going back to God's design in marriage. One man, one woman, becoming one, producing children, godly offspring, godly offspring. And divorce just kills that. You know, Pat, this, this passage in Malachi, God is, God is describing this hard-hearted man this hard-hearted husband, he says, you know, you've, you've been faithless. God has 
given you this gift of a wife and, and you've thrown her away. You know, you've been, you've been cruel to your wife. You've, you've done a dis- detestable thing. He says it very strong words here. Look at Proverbs 18.22. I love this verse. It says, he, and I quote this to my wife all the time. I said, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. That's the heart of God for marriage. That's the heart he desires for us to have. You know, it's the heart of God for us to thrive, both husbands and wives, and divorce destroys that. There's a better way. There's a better way, and it's the the way of the the godly heart. Jesus says, you know, in verse 6 of our passage in Mark, Mark, 10.6, 10.6, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So the better way is unity. The better way is unity. The two shall become one. Yeah. Does Notice it doesn't say the two should become one. It does not say that we should aspire for oneness in our marriage. It says they shall be one. It's God's design. It's the, the two shall become one. You know, it's, a, it's a matter of, of the heart. Uh, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of passages in, in the Bible that talk about unity. Uh, just in general, but you know, I think we can specifically target those passages, what they say to, to marriage specifically. Let's listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Uh, he's talking about unity within the church. We can apply this, though, to, to marriages, unity in marriages. He says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit and and the bond of peace. Consider these these qualities, these these heart qualities, humility, uh, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Does this describe the hearts of a of a husband or wife who who are at odds with each other and and heading towards a, a marriage being torn apart? I don't think so. Of course not. How about Romans twelve, nine through ten? Listen to this. It says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. This last statement here, this last command, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, If we just applied this one principle in all our marriages, there would be no divorces. So the better way is unity. The better way is, is a humble Tender, loving heart, gentle and caring and honoring. 
you know, a heart that is not seeking to go as far as we can to see what we can get away with, but one that seeks the, the center of God's heart for, for marriage as, as God has created it. Uh, one flesh, you know, not, not two people anymore, but one. Not two people, each doing their own thing, each seeking their own way, each asking what's in it for me. Uh, no, no, no longer that, but a, but a couple with, with hearts that are in, in unity, with, with oneness, seeking what's best for the other, you know, looking to the other's interests, each seeking to, uh, uh, to enrich the other, to, to nurture the other. That's God's heart for, for marriage. That's the better way. So, that's simple, huh? It all boils down to a real simple concept, you know, and it's what, it's what God calls love. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, I'm not, I'm not going to read that, but that would be a good thing to go back and review. You know, this is, this is what God desires of us. There's a lot more we could say, but uh, this is the root issue. It's the heart, the heart. And so, yeah, when the Pharisees came up to Jesus to, to trick him, they were just saying essentially, you know, is, is it okay for me to throw away my, my wife and, and get a new one? Uh, no. No. If you do that, your heart is hard. You've hardened your heart against God. You've hardened your heart against your your spouse, you've hardened your heart against your kids. Jesus said, uh, no, you do that, you're in, you're in sin, you're, you're committing adultery. You know, God joined together, joined you together, the two of you, into one, and, and you're tearing it apart. So, you know, our, our marriages are not to be like those temporary buildings in, in Balboa Park. You know, I, I'd encourage you, young men and women to really take this seriously when you get to the point to where you're ready to enter into a marriage. You know, this is, this is for life. And that's, that's what I like about the, uh, the wedding vows. You know, you're entering into a covenant with each other and with God and with, with the, uh, the community of believers that, that you're going to do this. You're going to seek the heart of God. Yeah, we don't we don't build marriages so that they can be torn down in two years and, and recreated. You know, uh, we don't we don't seek to live on the edge and put God to the test. Um, no, we need oneness, and it's it's based on hearts of love, hearts of love in our in our church, in our families, in our our marriages. You know, that's that's God's way. That's God's heart. Let's, uh, let's pray. Um, Lord God, in, in Jesus' name, um, we want to be close to you, Lord. We want to have oneness with you, and we want to we wanna live in a way that, that pleases you. Uh, take our hearts, Lord, and, and mold them, Lord. Con- conform us to uh, the image of Christ, Lord. Align our wills with, with your will. You know, may, may you be glorified in our, our marriages. 
in our, our families, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. We sing that song, have your own way, Lord. We're the, you are the potter, we are the clay. Lord, mold us and make us into loving, caring husbands and wives. Help us, Lord. We, we need you. We need you terribly. And, uh, you know, help us in our marriages to, to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Lord, let us let us be shining examples to the the world for for your glory. To show what a godly marriage looks like, Lord, so that uh, all would know that that you are our God and and we are your people. We just pray these things, Lord, with humble hearts. We love you, Lord, and we pray in your name. Amen.